Hey, welcome to the Female Founder World Podcast. I'm Jasmine, the host of the show. And today I'm chatting with the founder of Ami Kole. Her name's Jara. Let's get into the episode. You are now entering Female Founder World with your host, Jasmine Grindsworthy. Jara, welcome to Female Founder World. Oh, I'm it's, so excited to be here. It is so good to have you on the show. I'm such a fan of Amicoli and what you guys have built. Talk oh. me through the origin story and how you got started. Oh my God. It's it's like so funny, like that question, because it's truly a genesis of everything that I've been through. Um, I'm first generation, Senegalese American, born and raised in New York City. Um, the melting pot of all melting pots. I had been a very early beauty concierge and lover, you know, growing up in my mom's hair salon. So she's had a hair salon in Harlem for about 32 years now. So I basically grew up in the space. Um, so that was kind of always my backdrop, background music. So when I, you know, went to college and eventually started work, I was just always trying to find the right fit for me. Like the things that I would see in Harlem growing up between music, culture, beauty, um, and then my love for the beauty industry. So I would kind of been jumping around since, but, um, you know, I worked, uh, you know, in places at L'Oreal and Glossier and Rebecca Minkoff and all of these things kind of um, threaded what would be, which is my time as a founder now at Amicole. Um, but essentially throughout my career, I, I would say professionally, I had always been missing that feeling of home, you know, that what I saw in Harlem, what I what resonated with me and people that would come into the salon, I just did not see reflected in the industry. For me personally, that meant makeup that I could truly see myself and celebrate who I was, makeup that really made it okay to be melanin rich and not really have to transform. So after, you know, my time at Glossier, where I was really focusing on product development, which meant, which means literally building products like from concept all the way to like the gunk in, oh, in the wow. tube, uh, that was my job. So after that, I was like, wait a minute. If there's any time to do this, it would be right now. Um, so I jumped ship and I put on my entrepreneurial hat. And we can talk about this later about like where I got the bug from. But that was kind of the genesis of Amicole. So collectively picking up um, the tactical skills from a professional perspective, um, but then also the love that I have for beauty and my culture. And talk me through what it is that you guys have built. If people aren't familiar yes. with the brand, who are you? What are some milestones to help people kind of like picture where you're at? Because you've really just built a movement. I feel like every <laughs> beauty girl that I know loves the brand. Oh, I love hearing that. Well, thank you so much. Um, yes, Amicole is a clean beauty brand. We are made to celebrate melanin-rich skin. Um, essentially, in terms of a North Star, like what do we do? We create very edited, um, high premium quality products at an accessible price point to really celebrate you. So you're going to never pick up one product and it's masking your skin or transforming. It's truly the makeup essentials that you can put on in the back of a taxi. You can put on, you know, on your way out um, and truly, truly feel like your best self. We try our best to make sure that they're multifunctional. Um, so if you leave the house at 9 a.m., 3, 3 o'clock, your makeup is still on and you're still looking good. We love that. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. So from a product perspective, that's always been our promise. And I know clean beauty sounds very convoluted, but why we started there is really important. Um, when it came to women of color, specifically black women, um, reproductive health was a huge issue. And when we looked at the source and, and like what was the 
disrupting uh, what we call the endocrine system, it was a lot of the beauty products that we were using. So from relaxers, you know, we, we tend to get relaxers pretty young and those are chemicals literally on your scalp. Mm. That's changing the chemistry of your body. So by the time you're into your quote unquote prime and ready to reproduce, we were looking back and understanding that how we've been living and interacting with beauty was very disruptive to how we can thrive. Mm. Um, so I personally was, you know, starting to think about family and like how I can eat better, be better, live better. Um, and I'm like, okay, if, if we do create a brand, we want to create something that would not disrupt your normal life, but really um, be the best that you can be, um, both visually looking like your best version of self, um, but also what you're putting on your body. What are some milestones that you, when you think about what you guys have hit over the last, four and a half, four and a bit years yeah. uh, that you just think, whoa, that's amazing. Honestly, every single day I'm like, how am I here? <laughs> okay. So very key milestones. One major milestone, I think very early on was 2020 when we raised over a million dollars of capital Incredible. for the company. This was pre-idea. I had a bunch of samples that I had. I had a very big dream and I had a big heart and my eyes were wide open. I needed to make this happen. Um, so after, again, this is like prime COVID time, we were at home. I'm pitching 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. back to back on Zoom. And the first couple of no's felt like a dagger like in my eyeballs, in my heart. Um, and I have some very snotty videos of me crying. I documented the entire thing. But then afterwards, you kind of get the grit. You get the grit and, and the grip of things. And, uh, you know, 10 pitches, 20 pitches. And that first yes hits. And you're like, wait, what? This is happening? And I think when we collectively raised that amount of money, it was not only like, yes, I can make my dreams come true, but also historically, there had only been like less than 10 black people, 15 black people, black women specifically that were able to raise over that amount of money. Wow. Um, so I was really, really proud. But I think as we continued to go, um, you know, launching the website, I would never forget May 17, 2021 and, and blowing through our entire forecast in the first day, um, then raising a, like having a team, you know, actually bringing a team at the table. Um, then we had been like, you know, grinding, grinding, grinding. And then you know, having a contract with Sephora. I used to work at Sephora when I was in college. So this was like a full 180 moment. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is life? Um, so I think collectively there's been things like that. I think most recently, like being on Oprah's favorite thing I list. I saw that on Instagram. <laughs> Amazing. You know, my mom is like, she's yeah. so funny because not a lot impresses her, but Oprah obviously impresses her. So I think, I think that Oprah impresses everyone. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Touche. My dad was like, okay. <laughs> my mom was like, Oprah? You do have a real job. <laughs> so I think recently that was really, really exciting. And it just, it, you know, those like crumbs of affirmation, this business is so hard. Totally. It keeps you going, doesn't it? It keeps you going. It keeps the lights on. So I think those like sparks in those moments are really, really monumental. But we're just beginning. It's so crazy. Let's talk about that launch day where you blew through your forecast. What did you do to get that traction on day one? Like, why do you think it hit so well? Oh my God. I can, I can lay it all out for you. Please do. <laughs> so again, I'm going to paint the picture for you. It's 2019. I had just kind of left my quote unquote dream job, you know, to kind of figure out myself out, you know? So I went to, I literally booked a ticket. I went to Thailand by myself with a notebook and I'm like, 
if I could dream up anything, what would it be? And it was Amikole. I, and then I became like obsessed. Like I, wow. like I was on the beach, I was running, I was doing this, and I was just writing things down. And then it's going to be in this packaging and it's going to be called this. And then when it would be here and all these things. So when I came back to New York City, I'm like, hey, guys, like revelation. I know no one's listening. Everyone was listening, obviously. So <laughs> I had like 2,000 followers, uh -huh. right? I'm like, guys, my next thing is going to be my own thing. Like, do you want me to document this process? And everyone was like, Heck yes, document it. So I'm like, okay. So then here I am in Brooklyn. I am recording basically on a daily basis. Um, everything from going out to Cosmoprof, which is this huge, very overwhelming um, conference for all things, all things packaging, um, you know, products and formulations, everything. Um, I had heard of it. I'd never been there, but I just put it on my credit card. I went out to Las Vegas. It was 105 degrees. I'm literally Whoa. sweating through the streets of Vegas and going like booth by booth trying to figure out who is this vendor that I'm going to partner with to make this like, come, come to fruition. And I'm recording it, like the whole thing on Instagram via IG stories. Um, I would get samples in. I'm like, hey, guys, in this make-believe world, what's the perfect lip gloss that would fit in your purse but also your back pocket so when you're out in Brooklyn having a good time, you're not going to lose it. You can find like very specific questions. And everyone just became more and more invested. And that's how people literally, even investors, found me. So they're like, hey, there's this girl. We know that she loves beauty and people are trusting her because they're really engaged. Um, so let's watch this space. So, by, so I did that for an entire year before I even launched the brand. So by the time it was time to go, everyone was like, we've been here with yeah, you we're since. Ready. Like literally since this was a drawing, a concept. So it was so beautiful to do it with them and it felt very much like that. I think that a lot of that, and I know we hear community over and over again, but a lot of it was that classic old school community vibe and it felt very familiar to me. Again, mm -hmm. I'm of African descent where everything is sharing, everything is oversharing. Um, coming from a salon where we hear way too much information about people's <laughs> lives. Um, I just naturally am that person. So I use social media for, for a, a very uh, long time. I want. I love talking about marketing. This is like my favorite part yeah. of these conversations. What else is working now mm -hmm. that you've kind of been in the business for a few years? And I'm sure you've had some things that have not worked out yeah. and some stuff where you're like, yep, double down. Let's try and do that again. Like what's really, yeah. What have you learned for this process? Yeah. It's so interesting. I think the tools of marketing have definitely changed, totally. but the psychology of how people connect, why they love, why they come back, why they replenish, why they share at the core of it's mm -hmm. always going to be the same. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think we're just trying to find new tools to reach the person first of all, <laughs> and then to kind of, um, get them in a, in, a, in a space of loyalty. But I would say very transparent, apparently, even throughout my career, what had worked prior to just does not work at all anymore, right? The playbook is completely, if not shredded, like turned upside down. Um, I was at a company very, you know, fast paced and, and high growth. And we launched a product, we put it on Instagram, we paid, and it, it happened, you know, like anything else was kind of like cherry on top. But 50% at least of the sales attributions would be coming from paid media and paid marketing. 
now, <laughs> especially as a small brand. And granted, just just to give you all just the laundry list of obstacles, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we launched during the pandemic when no one was wearing makeup. Makeup was in decline. Um, we launched, I think, maybe a hair before iOS 14 update. Um, so the original marketing plan that we had and we felt very confident about was literally in shambles for the first year. Wow. And I think we were we were riding off the, the high of community and word of mouth for a very long time. But now it's getting harder and harder. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of what is marketing, what is working for us right now, like channel diversification is just so necessary. I think before we were like, we're going to die on the hill of D2C. And obviously that's like nowhere to be found. But looking at D2C in a different spectrum as in how can I provide a direct uh, connection on this platform, which is the internet, my computer, my website or my phone directly to the customers. But that's also including Amazon and understanding by channel like what um, each channel functions as. You know, our D2C is a central hub of, of loyalty, of testing to understand like of the bundles that we do create, what is getting the most traction, why, at what price point. We understand Amazon is a, a high place of discovery. Like, how can we be a part of that conversation for someone who just heard something about a lip oil and ummy, but not, not really piecing the puzzle together? Yeah. So being top of mind in that search or a part how of that journey. Do you do that? Oh, it's very tactical. So there's like some SEO optimizations that we do to make sure that if someone types in lip oil that we bubble up, you know, yeah. uh, through a sponsored post, perhaps. Um, mm. Affiliate marketing, everyone is shopping like crazy on Instagram. So trying to figure out like who is that trusted affiliate um, influencer that is showing you how she makes her Nespresso coffee, um, how she's bathing her child and what's in her house and her nook and also what's on her lips, right? And making sure that we're part of her storefront and really Amazon specifically is, is servicing we're kind of a little bit further along in the, in the consumer journey where they're at least um, just considering us and making sure that we're giving them the right tools. So that means a plus content when you yeah. do land on there, like what are you learning about clean beauty? What does that actually mean to us? Um, how can we get this to you as soon as possible? So yeah. we know as a D2C brand that we cannot, not D2C, but D2C native brand that we cannot beat prime. Um, so why not? Why fight the machine, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to go to, to Amazon and figure out, um, you know, if it's Christmas, like what we're experiencing right now, like how can we be a part of that wish list or the gift guide? etc. Not to mention the overall um, affiliate model of the industry now. Like a lot of um, magazines and publications are, are linked. So being top of mind, a part of that kind of conversion funnel really helps. Um, and then we have Sephora. Like we sell beauty products. We sell complexion products. And we want to be known for skin. Um, so testing and trialing is really important. Um, how do we get uh, this customer to walk into a Sephora door to feel confident enough to ask for her shade match, um, to understand like why she's buying this lip treatment oil versus that one, um, and being very confident but that is really, you know, the key authority in terms of pushing, you know, the product efficacy. Um, so for and so us, that's through your content that you're trying to teach all of that. Oh, content and field team. We actually mm. we are, we actually deployed a little small field team right now. We have um, a head of uh, a field that came to us from Briagio, excellent at education and being able to excite the um, the BAs, which is beauty advisors at Sephora. Those are your white glove service people that are coming in, and if someone asks a question, they are your search engine. 
engine. So we're providing them with the education tools, the one sheeters explaining exactly yeah. what it does, why it does this, and why it's better than that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> at what price point and when to have those conversations slash build those baskets. So mm. understanding every single channel is really important and looking at influencer marketing as a different thing. I think when we started, again, because everything was so word of mouth, everything was very organic. We hadn't paid for influencers. Not that this is a good thing, but I'm just saying like how much traction we had maybe up until maybe year two of our marketing okay. plan. Um, but now we have a lead that's really thinking about it from a growth perspective. Um, even our social media channels, yes, IG is beautiful. It's your lookbook. It's your welcome home. Um, but how do we have stories really activating people to go back to a certain uh, call to action, whether that is Amazon or our .com, mm. um, engaging them in ways that feel like just one step above. So everything needs to work harder. <laughs> everything needs to be more efficient and every dollar needs to be counted for. You know, people get really distracted because there's so many things like we're not at the phase where we can have like these beautiful pop up shops or extravagant influencer trips. Like we're not there yet. And I think there's a place for that in terms of brand awareness. But right now we're still working within the spheres that we do have with the resources that we have as well. Oh, okay. Uh, what you just said there about, um, you know, there are so many different things that you can do. It can actually be like quite overwhelming. And I think mm -hmm. you can look at the brands who are like, 10 years ahead of you doing all of these things yeah. and think that like you need to be kind of playing at that level too to be able to get any traction but it's mm -hmm. really interesting to see where you've prioritized are you guys doing any paid ads now or is that not part of the mix yet yes we are doing paid ads but we've actually been scaling literally 25 percent week over week scaling down interesting scaling down moving those dollars into influencer marketing again thinking mm -hmm. about it in a different way where now before influencer marketing kind of was like a cherry on top again and most of it was like a brand play. Yeah. But thinking about influencer and even strategizing the different ways, whether it's affiliate, even SEO purposes from a blog perspective, et cetera, um, TikTok versus Instagram versus Amazon. There are so many different just spheres, I would say. Mm. Um, so taking those dollars and then activating those influencers to be able to tell your story has been a little bit more beneficial for us. And I will also say that we don't have a huge content team. So I think what people forget about people media and when it does work even for the bigger brands you're spewing out 40 to 50 pieces of content every single week so by the time something exhausts you have a team that's ready with you know content to be able to churn that back out so even if you have the amazing you know paid media strategy amazing paid media team the 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 sauce that you need to get that engine running you know as a small brand is not really viable mm. um, so what you try to do instead is maybe whitelisting some influencer content um, making sure whatever they post that you're reaching the maximum audience size that way it makes a little bit more sense versus trying to spew out 40 pieces of content a week 40 pieces of content a week <laughs> like just created for for paid ads one channel Oof, that's yeah. too much that's tiktok too much. might be a little bit worse it's so interesting <laughs> as well because it's like you know we're all um literally everyone is building a media business at the moment mm -hmm. you're not you know you might not be selling mm -hmm. the media content but all of us are just producing so much all of the time that we're on par with these publishers yes yes I can only imagine like the cadence and the mm -hmm. appetite and more people are working from home mm -hmm. you know it's just it's just a different time where things were way slower back in the day yeah. and it's like if you were like on periscope they were like you were like phenomenal groundbreaking yeah. i used to work at like rebecca minkoff where she would be testing out technology early and it was like one periscope for like year <laughs> of fashion <laughs> fashion week like hiring man repeller and they were like oh 
my God. <laughs> now it's like, oh, and then what? <laughs> uh, it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. What role has press played yes. in what you guys are doing? Because I see you everywhere. Oh, my God. Yeah, that makes me so happy. Um, such a funny story, too. And, and, and I think this is so important because... Okay, just because you have investor dollars doesn't mean it makes anything easier, right? You have key stakeholders mm -hmm. with very strong opinions about mm -hmm. how you should run your business. And they've seen this, they've done this, etc. And I remember in my gut and core of core, I'm like, in no disrespect to any PR agency, but I'm like, no PR agency can do what I think that we need to do in terms of the connections and the type of stories, etc, etc. So I sat there and it's literally, this is terrible, guys, don't do this. But it was like, three weeks before my launch. I'm like, oh, we don't have a PR agency. <laughs> um, and luckily, again, throughout my entire career, I'd been just networking. Mm -hmm. I never knew what I needed this, the connections for, but I'm like, one day. I, but I this can, is it, right? This like, is you, it. Yeah. And I just knew in the, my gut that this connection I will need later. And I just held on to it, like literally just coffees, lunches, dinners, and this and that, nothing to ask. And I'm just like, okay, one day it's going to come in, <laughs> in yeah. handy. So this time came and I was finally ready to launch this brand I'm like damn I remember in 2012 <laughs> I worked at this company and my girlfriend from college worked at this other company that was a PR agency I wonder what she's doing <laughs> <laughs> so I literally call Janine my PR manager and I'm now uh, I'm like Janine what are you doing she's like hi girl having hair from you in a while <laughs> I am in Brooklyn work, working at my dad's like dentist office I'm like okay you want to do PR again she's like wait what I'm like no seriously I need you to jump in and she and I sat down war room and we put that pitch together we organized our desk sides and we went crazy we went out there we told the story and I think the beauty of Amikole and non-biasedly <laughs> speaking but there's just so many ang angles of connection you know whether you're like a pure product junkie I mean I am the girl that used to be on into the gloss ad nauseum. I would be in the comment section. I would be mm -hmm. buying everything that Kelly Rowland, you know, posted on her top shelf, et cetera, et cetera. And then first generation, you know, of the hustle mentality and having, you know, watch my parents, you know, stories come to fruition and live literally living through that. Um, then you have the, you know, Pan-African experience as well, which spans far and beyond. There were just so many different angles to tell this story. So I am so... I, I, would, I don't want to say lucky or blessed because I don't believe in that per se, but I'm just so happy that we were able to give a fresh take on things. Like mm -hmm. it felt very authentic to the receiving party and they felt more than happy to support and talk about this. And, you know, I was very vulnerable and I talked about my strife through the industry and luckily it landed. So all that to say, I think it translated also from the, the customer reading the article. They're like, oh, wow. Like, I, I think I, I remember her on Instagram kind of. I, you know, I, I felt this or I had also been at a very big corporation and didn't see myself as well. Yeah. Um, so there were many ways to connect. And luckily, press has been really good to us, but it's been very, very, very important a part of our brand discovery process. Yeah. Talk me through that. So does when you when you land like a, a big press feature, does it directly correlate to sales? To sales. Oh, what a Good question. We were just talking about this too. <laughs> Attribution is so interesting. So, huh, I would say press 
don't underestimate it because I think people say don't invest in press you know TikTok is here just get that influencer and there's something about the slow burn of press that you can really appreciate and mm -hmm. I think about you know the customer journey okay fine she found you out through TikTok um, she also found about seven different brands from TikTok from the same influencer last week bought three of them and she's really trying to figure out do I really need this lip oil um, so then she's probably looking and Googling and searching and then she'll see something back from 2012 or sorry, not 2012, but 2019 about me talking about the brand and, and accolades since, you know, so it's kind of like this bedrock of a, a library of sorts, you know, trying to explain to you with with, a, you know, little connection to the brand outside of this this influencer why we exist you know what's in our, in the gunk you know why this person particularly me you know why I created this brand and where we're going and how does this fit into your life mm -hmm. so they are able to kind of do the research on their own and I think press was been been able to answer those questions for her um and then, like, you just never know whose lap you're landing into. You know what I mean? Like, us, read you read about you somewhere. Yes. Mm -hmm. By the time I, I Sephora story is so funny. I want to tell you about it later. But um, by the time I talked to them, and I, and you know me, like a little bit of imposter syndrome. You're like, hi, my name is Jada, and I have a brand. They're like, we know who you are. I'm like, you do. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? Um, and they had done their research, and they're really happy and aligned because their core pillars slash business goals are directly correlated to my goals as well mm -hmm. as, a, as a producer of content. I'm sorry, producer of product. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, like you never know, like Mindy Callen just found us out through like, you know, like I think she's like Googles or something like that or like I think Violet Gray perhaps like, and she was just like searching and she just found us and she's like, hey, like she literally just DM'd us like, hey, I, so, Amazing. I, I don't have any mascara left. Where can I buy them? I'm like, we're going to send you the mascara. <laughs> like what? But and everything else. <laughs> everything else. <laughs> oh, my God. But had it not been for that library, um, it does. It gives a little bit of brand authority and awareness and um, just archive that you just you need that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, okay, so I want to talk a little bit about like team. Who has helped you build this? <laughs> Who is with you now? And yes. you know, for someone who's earlier on, are there any freelancers agencies that you can like recommend that helped you get this off the ground? Oh my God, let me tell you something right now. If it's one thing that keeps me up at night, it's always going to be team. And it's something that as an entrepreneur that is so hungry to get something started, mm. you forget how important it is in terms of people building with you not only people building with you but also sharing the same vision the same momentum um the same end goal is very very difficult and also understanding that first of all it's 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 very hard to hire and fire people <laughs> um but also i have come to terms now as we continue to continue to grow during this journey of ours that there are chapters, you know, the first year, year and a half, when you're just trying to build something and get something established and have a proof of concept, it's going to be completely different from your growth team. Mm. It's going to be completely different from your international expansion team. So there are different chapters of your business that you have to be comfortable understanding how does this person play. And they can be excellent A-star in that chapter, but you also as a CEO and business owner and especially with stakeholders understand when it's time to transition those roles into a different profile so I'm learning that now and I think it's like I had to put it in that perspective to not be like oh, she's such a lovely person and yeah. she put in so much work in this company and it's so heartbreaking and it feels very cold but 
I have to, even myself as a CEO, I know there's going to be a time where I have to sunset my role. Yeah. You know what I mean? I understand like, okay, I have gotten us from point A to point B in the interest of this company, in the interest of the customer that is counting on us, we need to transition here. Mm-hmm. So anyway, laying that groundwork down. Um, in the beginning, it was really important for me to have just brand support. We knew how important branding would be. We knew how important um, the experience of Amicole would be. Beautiful. Oh, thank you so mm. much. Thank you so much. Um, so we knew how much of a differentiator that would be for us on the market. So we invested in that. Again, we we launched during COVID when the ports were literally jammed up and like Italy at one point just were not even answering their calls. I'm like, do I need to hop on a plane and be in Italy? Right? And I actually did that. Um, I went to Italy to figure it out. So uh, head of operations was really important and continues to be. Um, so building out supply chain, building out, you know, the more... Um, the more channels you are available in, the more you have to understand, um, you know, so supply chain, as I mentioned, transportation, freight, air versus ocean, um, which warehouse makes the most sense for you. Yeah. There are some warehouses that are strictly D to C, others that understand the EDI process for Sephora, Target, Ulta. So there are many things that you kind of have to tick off as you continue to grow. So our operations always needs to be very sound and secure. Um before wholesale, we also needed to focus on e-com, right? Like, who can we bring on? And I think that was the agency part that we did bring on very early on. And we had great experiences with, like, agencies um, like Fat Earth, for instance. And we're working now with Digicom. They understand the the, the nuts and bolts of how to do paid media. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, depending on, you know, how nifty they can be or how... Um, how they can also be extension of your creative team if you don't have. Um, there are some agencies that also have in-house creators that are turning that out on your behalf versus, you know, tapping into your resources. Um, comes at a price tag, but sometimes mm. it's worth it if it pays for itself. Um, now, though, we're pivoting into, again, retail and being available in something as wide as Sephora. We're in about 300 doors right now um, nationwide and preparing for international you know, sales, you know, understanding what does a field team mean for us and how, to, how you know, Sephora and I, like we're always trying to align on whether or not it's too early to bring in a field team. But I think because the stores are just so noisy and and, and you are fighting against the the thing that is the internet, you know, you can't bank on virality. You know, you, you may have a post from, you know, Huda or, you know, some random TikTok, you know, influencer. And TikTok is so weird because you don't even have to be a big personality. It's just like yeah. literally something just clicks and you're like, okay, I couldn't have guessed that. Um, <laughs> so you can't really formalize that or make a formula out of it. Whereas, you know, going into certain stores, under saying, okay, fine. These are our top 40 doors. You know, we want uh, 40% of our sales to come in from these top 40 doors. What does that mean on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis? And what are these people doing to go into store to do do X, Y, Z? How much are we paying them to make it make sense from a bottom line perspective? Um, so thinking about field and sales as the you know, the rep for the for the brand because Sephora looks different now. Mm. Um, you know, Sephora, when I was working there maybe 15 years ago, you know, we went through trainings and they had, you know, things you can test things out and go home with, with samples. Now with COVID, everything is kind of like don't touch, don't tell. Um, so the model is just continuously evolving and they're just trying to get people in and out the door. <laughs> so how can you give them the resources that they need? Marketing team is always going to be key, understanding how 
you know, social can have a stronger influence on attribution. Our brand, interestingly enough, a lot of our traffic came in organically through social. So how do we mobilize that? How do we get people at least on the website enough to shop, discover, you know, at least put it in your bag, you know? Yeah. Um, so that continues to be a hard one to do because what I'm realizing now is that your strategist is not always your executionist. Executionist or the person doing strategy is not always a person doing the best execution and vice mm. versa. And it's not wrong or bad, but to find someone that can be high level and work backwards, like four to five years backwards, and then also get in the weeds and write a caption and edit on Canva is hard. Um, so we did a lot of Goldilocks in that. And I think the nature of social in itself with all of the different platforms, there's just a natural level of exhaust that happens even for myself as a totally. founder. I'm like, I don't want to be on Instagram today. Yeah. Um, but those I are key, key highs, I would say at this point now. Um, and again, I mean, I've been grinding now on the company for about five years, yeah. which sounds crazy to say out loud. I'm exhausted. Yeah. You know what I mean? There, there, there are periods of burnout myself. I'm a new mom. And, uh, you know, just trying to balance all the things personal and business is a lot. So I'm always looking, always, always constantly looking for my second hand. You know, who is the person that I can turn to to probably, you know, offload a lot of the people and personnel and the hiring and firing um, so I can focus on the best products ever because I'm going to forever be a product junkie. Mm -hmm. uh, the best marketing in terms of, you know, community connection and being out there to yell to the world that this brand exists. You know, you cannot be front of house and back of house. So yeah. right now I'm looking for my second chef <laughs> to help me build and cook this 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 next chapter for us. Um, and then, yeah, but that those all keep me up at night. It's so hard. Yeah, the team piece is huge. Um, it sounds like, I mean, your life is going to get, I feel like, a lot easier when you find that 2IC right-hand woman or right-hand man to help you build this. Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> We've spoken about uh, Sephora a little bit, but I want to know the story about how this partnership came about yeah. and also just like what surprised you about the process. I think that <sighs> Sephora is the pinnacle right, for anyone right. building in beauty, <laughs> um, but then you can kind of start down the road of getting in there and you're like, oh shit, this is really hard oh and expensive. God. It's so hard. It's so expensive. Yeah. Um, and it's so crazy because they're launching brands by the minute too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like how, what, shelf space? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for context, we're on the next big thing shelf, uh, which is basically like a discovery moment within the store. You know, kind of like if you walk in the middle of the store, you'll see these little bays. I have mm -hmm. about you know, three to four brands and one shelf each kind of giving a little bit of expression of the is brand. Is Ceremonia on there as well? Yes, okay. I believe Ceremonia is on there, but they might have graduated to their own tower. Right, right, right. I know that, that Baba has expanded into all doors, I think last year, if not this year. Okay. So I'm really excited to watch them grow too. I need to yeah. go to their shop nearby. But um, so that is where we landed and that's where we are. So um, how did this come about? Oh my God. So one of my investors... I would say preemptively too. We were not ready to talk to Sephora. This was like two months after launch. I'm like, what? <laughs> She's like, oh, you should talk to Alison Hahn. Um, I forget her exact title right now at Sephora, but she's been at Sephora for so long. She is the makeup person at Sephora, mm -hmm. all things. She's the brand whisperer. She knew, known of the drunk elephants of the world and just kind of understands and has a gut about brand mm. um, on top of her very tactical and strategic um, knowledge of the landscape of Sephora. So 
I had emailed her very, I think, through this connection and that like, okay. And then, you know, what Allison actually did. She introduced me to two of her merchants. The names are literally sipping me right now. And they were like, mm, you know, whatever. Like, kind of like, well, you can give us your... Um, they literally say you can give us your product line and your deck and we'll give you feedback. I'm like, babe, this is in production. There's no yeah. feedback. <laughs> Are you taking the line or not? Um, so, <laughs> and of course, as stars align, I was in Senegal, West Africa, but when, the, when it was time for me to have this meeting with the, with the merchants. Of course, the day that I had this meeting, the entire like electricity shut out on oh the God. block. <laughs> so I'm talking to them and it just went <gasps> off. So And then I can't even email them back to let them know that, hey, I don't have electricity because nothing was working. Not my cell phone, no internet, no uh, phone, no, not, no lights, nothing. So I'm like, there goes my partnership with Sephora. <laughs> and I and I thought that too. And I, I emailed them, but you, you can tell that the fire kind of went out a little right. bit. Like, let's be realistic. And then, <laughs> and then I actually had been talking to another retailer and we got really close. We were literally about to sign a term sheet. Mm. So they and I actually met through so crazy. It's like a bigger partnership within another retailer. So they wanted to go through that. I'm like, well, you know, it doesn't make sense as a small brand. Like we would want to partner with either or retail. And they're like, well, come over here. I'm like, okay, what are you talking about? <laughs> so we were discussing margins. We were discussing team. We almost hired a, a broker. Uh, a broker is someone who is specialized in the retail space and talk. So they understand things, things like RTV, which means like return to vendor. Anything that you don't sell for a certain period goes back to you and charges you back. So yes, people need to know this. All these yes. important things and, and numbers that add up. Um, your scrap rate or your tester fees, you know, every single tester that's popped open that cannot be sell, sold is, is charged back to the brand. Mm -hmm. So the more you expand, amazing, but you also have to think about the, um, the loss for that too. So these brokers come in and they negotiate your initial contract, but also, you know, how do you thrive in that space? So long story short, we had already kind of locked in an, um, a, a broker at the thorough research. I'm, I love researching. I will talk to anyone. Shout out to the pattern team, Tracy Ellis's team. I bother everyone. Rachel, I'm like, hi, I know you're in, in, in this retailer. Like, oh, what's your margin? What's this and that? I do all my research. So anyway, we were very comfortable. It's December. We're launching in like February, very soon. I am like seven months pregnant. And then WWD calls me and they're like, hey, like, we'd love to honor you for uh a breakout founder of the year. I'm like, oh my God, this is so exciting. But also I'm so pregnant and I'm not in the mood. Yeah. <laughs> so I just put on my shoes. I put on my dress and my little wig and try to, you know, make some makeup or something, just make something work. And I go to this very lucrative and like fancy breakfast, you know, and they, and they present these awards and guess who's in the room? Allison Hahn. Mm. Allison's there and she's like, didn't I email you? Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, but your team wasn't responding to me. So we're going to another retailer. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, we're going to another retailer. We're about to sign a contract literally next week. And that's just it. Like, well, now I'm playing hardball. Yeah. It's like, you need to talk to me before you go anywhere. I think there's an opportunity here. And let me review your contract. And even if you don't come with me, like I'll help you review your contract and make sure you're in a good place. I'm like, okay. When I tell you we signed a contract with Sephora like the next week, <laughs> it was like, it was sad to, you know, kind of break up with, yeah. the, with the next retail. But I just knew, like, listen, let me tell you my story with Sephora. I had known about Sephora probably like 
No, I'd say like early 2000s. My older sister, who is like my everything, she was like my idol growing up. Um, she lived, she went to school maybe a block away from Sephora. She would come every single day with a new sample from this magical space that was called Sephora. She's like, smell this perfume and da da da, Lolita Lampica, da da da. And then she would go on to work at Sephora. Mm. So then when I went to college in Syracuse, I was, you know, going at the mall trying to find a job. I was like working at Dillia's at the time. I remember, I don't know if you remember Dillia's, but like this, you know, this store in, in, in Syracuse. And then um, the Sephora was opening. I'm like, I need to work at Sephora. So I go and I apply and I worked at Sephora for like a year and a half. It was my dream job. I was like having a ball. <laughs> we were, <laughs> one of my best friends was still from that time. And like, I was just so happy because everything that I thought in terms of that service and education, my first time learning about hyaluronic acid and all these trainings and brands. Like I got a deeper understanding of the business of it mm. versus consuming it. So I just mm. had a great appreciation for it. And then from there, I just been a customer and I had been like, whenever I am back in New York city during the holidays, I'd work in like, you know, the 59th street location, 79. So for me, Sephora was very high on my list of partners because I knew how they operated, but I also knew how this product would fit in their yeah. space. Um, I specifically knew how frustrating it was being in college and all these girls would walk in looking for um, their foundation or, hey, I'm going to homecoming. Can you do my face really quick? I'm like, oh, I actually can't do your face really quick because we don't have that temperature shade for you or or this or that or some type of excuse. And I would just look at skincare as a solution. Um, but then now finally to have that perfect skin tint for that girl that's been looking for it, I'm like, this is a dream come true. Um, so anyway, very long story short, but that's how my Sephora deal came to fruition. It was very like zigzaggy. I even even applied to the um, grants. I was a little late. The accelerator. <laughs> accelerator for it, and I didn't get in. That is wild. <laughs> what? I did not get into the accelerator in that year. Who got in in that year? I, I I forgot. I think this was a cohort of like topicals and bread. Okay. okay. Um, and then I mean, I was some like, good ones. Some good this ones. This is a good, yeah, great yeah. ones. Great ones. But at this time, they wouldn't even guarantee you shelf space. I'm like, I just want mm. to be able to, you know, reach out. Now to them. they do, right? Now if they you do. Through, now right. you go. They guarantee you shelf space, which is pretty interesting too. But it's like, if it's a yearly thing, how do you churn out the success for these brands yeah. and the stores? Because yeah. It's about productivity. It's about you know marketing etc so that's a different something that sephora seems to really get and the same as target it's like these um founder-led mm. brands and how powerful that is yeah as to drive people to their stores yeah. they seem to really understand that and i feel like when i look at there are so many launches in target right now mm. there are so many launches in sephora and i'm like they just want to get all of the <laughs> all of the <laughs> all of the, all the, the, the whole the entire scoreboard in yeah. there yeah <laughs> it's so interesting but equally frustrating let's mm. be realistic you yeah. know we're always there are plenty of group chats out there just trying to as us founders trying to understand like how are you doing it? How are you surviving? Like, what's the yeah. answer? How do you present this and that? Yeah. Um. I think, funny enough, we're in the chapter now where both Sephora and we, we as in Black-owned yeah. um, indie brands are f figuring out together. Yeah. Because um, if you're not coming from the, from the school of Huda, which had a very strong power, media company, essentially, mm -hmm. you know, her Instagram was almost like a media company. Um. You know, that trajectory of churn is different. Mm. Um. And then you have the, no, I think the ordinary is, is also just a case study as well. It's just completely different from mm. founder led, but there was a moment obviously where it was, a, their founder was very vocal. Um, 
but yeah, trying to find that successor is really hard and we're all trying to figure it out. Um, especially like certain categories like hair and skincare. Um, it's been really interesting and makeup is just so convoluted now. There's so much, there's so many things that I think, oh my God, like, do I need this? There are so (laughs) many things. I think this is like the, um, effective TikTok as well. I just Mm. feel like there's so much product out there. Um, but yeah, it'd be, it, it's going to be interesting to see where the space goes in the next few years. Mm-hmm. But the the last thing that I want to ask you is for a resource recommendation. Yeah. You've given us so many good recommendations <laughs> through this whole conversation. But is there anything else that you think somebody who's building something, mm-hmm. that they want to build what you've built and they want to get to where you are, that they should go and check out? Absolutely. I think at a bird's eye view too, I think you have to remember that like, I had to remind myself too, like not everyone becomes CEO, right? Yeah. Like there's, it's something that you learn and it's, and it's probably for a lot of founders, a job that you learn on, on a, yeah, a role that you learn on a job. Mm. Um, so I am forever learning and curious and trying to tap into different resources to understand. I will say I cannot underestimate or undervalue um, the importance of networking across. I think a lot of the people that I've worked with in my recent years, especially the past five years, have been people that I have crossed paths with, that I've interned with, like literally 10 years ago, mm-hmm. um, that I you know, know of, know some type of adjacency that I'm kind of pulling them into the fold for whatever reason. Um, not being afraid to ask that question. There are plenty of um, and I don't know, I don't know if these are open, but the Slack channels that specifically for, you know, people that are specifically on Shopify, for instance, mm-hmm. and what apps are they using to help drive conversions or retention? What sweepstakes, you know, platforms they're using to drive XYZ. So being very specific about your ask, I think is always beneficial. Um, trying to find again the people and resources in your immediate group, you'd be so surprised. At a tactical level, I mean, we did not, you don't need all the chops like we're still on shopify we're not shopify plus right and then don't be afraid to raise your hand and ask for certain perks or questions like for instance the shop app Um, we've been seeing a a lot of traction on there and i know they're in beta right now but if you you know go to the shop i think they have a shop in soho or Flatiron, the the shopify yeah they do we've had an event there there we go so you go in there and you ask for these resources and you'll be surprised you you end up on a wait list and you end up you know uh putting something that's a good tip you know what i mean you you end up being on in beta and now we've been able to to launch our shop app without being a Shopify Plus account, mm. which is like thousands of dollars versus hundreds for, mm. subscri- for subscriptions. I think not under, underestimating the power of SMS. Um, obviously, we know this over and over again, but having like a healthy balance between editorial entertainment and also like promotions. What do you use for SMS? Right now, so we've done it all. We've been through Yapo, which is an email service. We tried Clavio, mm-hmm. but we finally made our way to Attentive. Yeah. Um, this just their 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 capabilities are just a little bit different, and it's like nice and interactive, and people like that. Yeah. Um, I will say they skew a little bit more on the expensive side, so I would kind of you know make my way up and make the case of why it makes sense. But what we try to do is just try to you know maintain a rigor um, to make sure that it's not obviously our pricing, you know, the income or revenue that we get from that that channel Mm -hmm. um that's really helpful 
In terms of retail, oh my God, especially, first of all, every retailer is going to be completely different. You have to talk to your fellow founders. As someone selling in the store, you have to go in the store and sit down with those BAs and understand like why and how and what they're frustrated. They're actually very vocal because they're like, listen, yeah. I see a founder every week. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you are not Kim Kardashian. So <laughs> let's talk real. And, and you'll be so surprised between I've gotten like product development solutions mm -hmm. from them. I've gotten packaging solutions from them. I've gotten sheer messaging, like how to, when it comes to uh, selling efficiently in store, having three core messages per product, like why this lip treatment oil? Okay, it's because of its wear, it's because it's clean, it's this price point, it's the shade offerings, like mm -hmm. having very distinct bite-sized messages, similar to what you would do on TikTok, mm -hmm. but, but providing it in like an educational um, sheet, one-sheeter to these BAs are really, really helpful. Smart. Um, and then I think we're not there yet, but when it comes to complexion products, you really want to sample that can get very expensive very quickly. So it has to be worth it. Um, but we're, that's something that we're looking at for next year. So having smaller samples in store for people to be able to try and take home. And yeah. And surprisingly, Sephora also has, again, they have a lot of products. I mean, uh, programs that are expensive in terms of minimum, but, um, I think their digital sampling program, sampling program, there is no minimum. Mm -hmm. So you could have like anywhere from like 100 to 10,000 samples of your best-selling mascara mm -hmm, um, on the platform. And you'd be surprised, you know, the conversion or consideration on that. Um, but again, I think that's a slow burn because you'd be surprised like samples can cost as much, as, if not more, than your original size packaging. Mm. So being able to break even on those minimum quantities and making sure that that franchise or, for instance, for us as lip treatment oil, that you're breaking like the 100 k or 20k, you know, increments so that way you can make money off of it. Okay, so much good stuff in this conversation. <laughs> thank you so much for yes, coming on this show. You. This is incredible. <sighs> Quick shout out to all of our business bestie subscribers. If you are loving the show and you are building a consumer, CPG or e-commerce business, or you're about to build one, this membership will give you access to the people, experiences and the tools that you really need to build your dream business. Head to femalefounderworld.com forward slash subscriber for more.